0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to another in a series of podcasts at Heinz Reads, which you can find at com uh, slash podcast. Scroll down. You'll find Heinz Reads. Uh, another great guest joining me. Today on the podcast at this particular time, Larry Millette, Larry, who you have probably read, if not at the uh, Pioneer Press or the St. Paul newspapers over the years, you probably have read him at Streetscapes in Star Tribune uh, just very recently on the story of the mansion that is no more. He's got a brand new book done by the University of Minnesota Press, and it is a fantastic story with so many great pictures and images that he was able to round up and capture. The story is called Metropolitan Dreams, The Scandalous Rise and stunning fall of a Minneapolis masterpiece. Larry, hey, thanks for your time here on the podcast today. I hope people who have the same affinity for where we live that I possess, I hope that they will go look for this book and, and consider you know uh, buying it for themselves because you really put together a tremendous story about the, the, the individuals involved in building a building that was downtown Minneapolis. You and I have chatted in the past about other buildings, about other buildings. Oh, and also your Sherlock Holmes series, your your mystery series set in Minnesota. Uh, a lot of us didn't know until you wrote it that Sherlock Holmes had a strong Minnesota connection. <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> it is, it is. But you know, first talk to me a little bit. About your own personal affinity, uh, because you must have a great interest in these, the the architecture of these structures. Tell me a little bit about where that comes from, and 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 your your connections, your feelings to these, in regards to these buildings.
1: Well, uh, of course, I grew up in Minneapolis and then uh, made the big move to St. Paul later on, but um, I went to school at Cell in uh, the 1960s and um, I pretty much went through the Gateway District where the Metropolitan Building was uh, every day on my way to school for four years and I saw the the old Gateway as it existed and I saw the new Gateway as it became um, during that period and so uh, uh, I think it was a... kind of an out-of-school education for me uh, about uh, historic preservation, about uh, historic buildings. I'd always been interested in architecture as a kid and design, and uh, so I I had the opportunity to sort of see firsthand what was happening in Minneapolis. Not all of it good, I might add. The the Metropolitan Building, oh, there's so many
0: great aspects to this story uh, involving the Northwestern Guarantee Loan Building uh, to later become the Metropolitan Building. You know, and I I think when you and I have spoken before, uh, it, even though I was alive when that building was still standing, I have no vivid memory because it came down in what, 1960, 61, in that era? Yeah, 61, yeah, 61, yeah, 60, 61,
1: 62,
0: yep. Yeah, down. and and I was, and, uh, I'm a little bit younger than you are, but I didn't have the same vivid connection that you had to like, um, you know, Nicollet Island and in and, and the Gateway District, but I do remember driving through... Through driving down Washington Avenue and my mother, you know, referring to Skid Row, which you reference in the book several times and saying, this is where you kids are going to end up. And it's just like, well, thanks for the encouraging words, mom. But yeah. so when I, for me, when I read Metropolitan Dreams. I have these connections to all these places and you take us through it street by street, intersection by intersection. I mean, until I retired from full-time radio, I worked just two blocks from where the Metropolitan building,
1: you know, was, was located before they tore it down. Yeah, you were you were close there because uh, it was at Third uh, Street and Second Avenue South. So you were just a few blocks away, and in the old Elks Hall, by the way, was where CCO Radio was uh, located for years. Um, so yeah, it was a, it was a famous building, um, remarkable for its great interior atrium or, or light court, as they called it in the day, and. Um, Famous for its ironwork, its glass floors, uh, just a, a, a remarkable building, and one that uh, I spent a lot of time trying to figure out why they tore it down and to this day (laughs) and it doesn't make much sense
0: well you know if you read the introduction all you got to do is start with the introduction and it was a custodian the building who said they will damn us they will (laughs) and i think that was over the discussion of tearing the building down because it was so many of these buildings larry um were, were art they were they were not just buildings they were art
1: they were, and, and the Metropolitan certainly was, um, I think, one of the most uh, significant office buildings of its era in the United States. Uh, really a unique design in a lot of respects. Not The light court wasn't unique, but the way everything was put together was unique. And it was considered the grand building in Minneapolis when it was built. It was really the building that Minneapolis said, we have come of age, we've built this wonderful skyscraper, you know, a city that was a pretty small town in the 1870s. And by 1890, when the Metropolitan Building opened, it was uh, it was a major city. I mean, the city had grown that quickly.
0: Chatting with Larry Millette, and we're talking about his book, Metropolitan Dreams, The Scandalous Rise and Stunning Fall of a Minneapolis Masterpiece. And as you take us through the book, you take us through the growth of the Twin Cities, of the growth of Minneapolis uh, and these other things along the way. And that in itself, uh, you just must be an incredible researcher.
1: Well, I've done a lot of research over the years. You know, the Metropolitan Building was on the cover of Lost Twin Cities. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> out, let me
0: pause, pause for a moment, because let me tell <laughs> yeah. people, they, they, if they're not familiar with the, the, the video presentation of Lost Twin Cities, as I recall, narrated by the late Dave Moore. Um, um, it, but but there, there's lots of references to the, uh, to the Lost Twin Cities.
1: And you, uh, that you, that was all you. That was all you. That was all you doing that. That was my book. Yep, came out in 1992, and I'm proud to say it's still in print <laughs> after 27 years, which is um, which is a good thing, I guess. And um, yeah, uh, that was a book that I I really tried to. Bring together a lot of the bits and pieces of uh, vanished places and buildings in the Twin Cities, and the Metropolitan Building is on featured on the cover of that book uh, because I thought of all the buildings that were gone, it was really the the one that pretty much everybody would like to have back, and and I still feel that way. Uh, Well, let me.
0: I get the occasion, uh, get the opportunity on occasion, I should say, to work in the Lumber Exchange Building. Is that the last remaining building that would might? That might might closely be a, a shadow or uh, a whatever. The Lumber Exchange building is on Hennepin Avenue and Fifth, uh, yeah, Fifth in downtown yeah. Minneapolis. Uh, and it's referred to oftentimes as um, the, the first skyscraper built west of the uh, of the Mississippi, I think. But yeah. is, is that the last shadow of something like the Metropolitan Building if people wanted to see what you were referencing when you wrote about the Metropolitan Building?
1: Um, it's not the last, but it's one of the last, and actually it proceeds. It was built uh, before the Metropolitan Building. Right. It's one of the, yeah, 1886, and it is one of the, I just read somewhere that somebody said it's the tallest, the oldest 12-story building in the United States outside of New York City. Uh, which could be true. <laughs> it's, it's very old, uh, but if you actually want to see a, a sense of the Metropolitan Building, uh, your best bet is probably the Pioneer Building in St. Paul. Ah. Which still has its still has its Light Court, uh, but it's not nearly as grand as the Light Court in the Metropolitan. But that. Is the building that most closely probably resembles it today? Before we
0: talk about the architect who built um, what would became the, uh, the the ultimate building there of the Northwestern Guarantee Loan Building, um, tell me a little bit about the guy who had the dream or the vision to have a building for his business like that. And and that was is it. Is am I saying the name correct? Is it Menage? Is that
1: yes? Yep, Louis Menage, and he was um, a New Englander of French extraction uh, who. Uh, grew up in uh, Massachusetts, came out to Minnesota at a very young age, um, and parlayed pretty much nothing into uh, a very a very successful company um, called the Northwestern Guarantee Loan Company in the 1880s. Uh, the problem was that the company was basically, as far as I can tell, a giant Ponzi scheme. Yeah,
0: <laughs> when, I'm, when, I'm reading, when I'm reading about Minaj, I'm thinking so many others that you and I have both known that have been in the news more recently. It's just like,
1: really? This is the same story? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's an old story. Yeah, it really is in, in the United States and yeah, he he had this company that uh let's just say they they were built on a lot, a lot of leverage, and um, they, very successful company, it, it seemed like, on paper, and, uh, and they built this very expensive building uh, as their headquarters, and three years after it was built, there was the, came the Great Depression of 1893, which was the worst depression in American history up until that time, and Minaj's company went belly up in a flash. <laughs> the, the bill suddenly came due, and uh, he eventually fled not only Minneapolis, but the United States, and uh, ended up spending several years as a coffee broker in Guatemala, among other things. So it's a great story. He was uh, quite the character. Well, you do a great job, too, with all of the backstories
0: of all of these characters, including the architect. The architect coming here from, I think, most directly from Milwaukee. And yep. It's amazing how he fell into favor with so many people of influence here um,
1: for, for very Various, you know, for various projects around the area. Yeah, he did, and it and it's uh, it is interesting. He was from Milwaukee. Townsend Mix was his name, and he had been very successful there, but he was kind of running out of steam, and somehow or other he hooked up with William Washburn of Minneapolis, of the Washburn Crosby Company fame, uh, and the builder of the Sioux Line Railroad, among other things, and he designed Washburn's huge mansion at Fair Oaks Park in Minneapolis, uh, called Fair Oaks, where that park is today was, was where Washburn's mansion and grounds were, and that was his first big uh, commission in uh, Minneapolis, and he started des- designing skyscrapers for the global newspapers and a number of other projects, and he got the big commission uh, to do the Metropolitan Building, the Northwestern Guarantee Loan Building, and then he promptly died. He had tuberculosis, and he was dead within four months of the time that the uh, the building was completed.
0: Well, there's so many different aspects of this when we get to your your focus on the Gateway Park, um, which was, was literally Skid Row. I mean, you, there's a great yeah, image absolutely. Of, of people just, I don't know, just sleeping, passed out in various states or whatever, because uh, they had nowhere else to go in 1937. Here's one of yeah. the fun things, though, about reading about Minaj that I laughed out loud and, <laughs> uh, and I apologize, was that. The fact that his um, board of directors... Um, many of whom did not know that they were on the board. <laughs> yes. <laughs> including George yes. <laughs> Pillsbury, who I think, was I, I, I recall reading, he had to sue to have himself removed from the board.
1: Yes, although, you know, you, you, you read stories like that and you wonder, well, maybe he did really know, but he decided that he didn't know after uh, yeah. uh, Minaj started having his troubles. But, yes, there were, he apparently, Minaj was one of these guys who, you know, uh, had a way of uh, drawing in people, whether they knew it or not. And uh, he was fast and loose with the facts, shall we say. Yeah. Well, do you think
0: do you think that today that the Metropolitan Building, uh, the the, the Guarantee uh, Loan Building, the Metropolitan Building, do
1: you think it would be torn down today? No, um, it wouldn't have been. And uh, I believe had it lasted just another 10 years, if they had just left it alone, because it was doing all right. It wasn't losing money. It was a pretty well-occupied building. had owners who wanted to keep it. But it lasted another 10 years. By that time, uh, in the 70s, think of what happened to Landmark Center in St. Paul. There would have been um, plenty of People interested in in uh, restoring it, I think today it would be it could be a boutique hotel, it could be a office building with a lot of wealthy lawyers in it, uh, it could be residential apartments, who knows? But there definitely would have. Uh, I think it definitely would have been preserved and beautifully restored, and, and, it, and it wouldn't require a vast amount because the building was remarkably intact when they tore it down. I mean, it had the original elevator; the original hydraulic elevators were still running, uh, you know, um, seventy years after it was built. So it was it was it was a well built building. They will damn us. They will. <laughs> they um, will. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you know, and 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 for me. I would love to see that today. I I don't know if I, I don't think I have quite the same ardent, um, you know, love for these places that you do, that you sound like you do have. But I would still like to see that today. Um, and, and as I mentioned, every time I go into the Lumber Exchange building um, yeah. now, now, especially after reading Metropolitan Dreams, the scandalous rise and stunning fall of a Minneapolis masterpiece, uh, it's just it's it's truly a great and amazing story i encourage people who have any appreciation for where we live, I encourage them to to get a copy of this book and read this book, and then follow up with Lost Twin Cities, and just for fun, follow up with so many of the mysteries from from Larry Millette. the the Sherlock Holmes mysteries. Um, oh, what was the most recent one? The um, um, the you, Eisenor- the Eisenor- Enigma. Yeah, you and I spoke about that uh, yeah. when that one was out when I was still on the radio full time. Yes, um, yes, we did.
1: Yes. What's What's next, Larry? I don't think you're You're not sitting still. (laughs) No, I'm actually working on a contemporary mystery novel, my first one, and I hope to have that out later this year. Uh, We'll see how things go. It's called Pineland Serenade, and uh, it's uh, kind of an offbeat uh, mystery novel set in east central Minnesota. So uh, that's what's coming up next. And if people
0: go to startribune.com and just search under the search Larry Millette, you'll find so many. uh, uh, including very recent one in January on Streetscapes, that mansion story uh, that you the, wrote about. The mansion, yep. Yeah. D- d- do, you, do you feel that those would still be here today if they had lasted a little bit longer?
1: Um, possibly. Uh, mansions are, are tough, and, and they, especially the big houses, are, are hard to maintain if they're not, you know, in a place like Summit Avenue. Um, but... Some of them, yes, definitely. I think had they lasted another, especially the ones that went down in the fifties and sixties, if they had somehow survived a few more years, they might well have ended up being preserved. Do you drive through
0: town and go? That would have been that that building that used to be there was cool. That one was great. Oh, that one yeah. was
1: wonderful. <laughs> yeah, drive, I used to drive my kids crazy, so I don't do it anymore. <laughs> but yes, I can pretty much tell you what was on uh, every block uh, in downtown Minneapolis and St. Paul at one time or the other.
0: Yeah, well, you and because I should point this saw when you were a part of the St. Paul newspaper organization. Um, was it um, um, uh, your, your collaborator, uh, Box? Um, Box- oh, Don Boxmeyer. Don, yeah, Don Boxmeyer um, wrote some great stories there too, as well. So, yep, yep. yeah, Hey, it thank was you, a lot of fun. Thank you for keeping those things alive in our memories. I truly appreciate
1: it. Well, thank you. It was fun to talk with you.
0: Metropolitan Dreams is the latest book. It is worth a read if you have any. Pride in where you live today, uh, here in the Twin Cities area, uh, you need to read this book from Larry Millette. Thanks. We'll chat again soon. I hope. Okay. Good to talk to you. Take care. Bye. You've been listening to another in a series of podcasts that I call Heinz Reads. You can find them at wcclradio.com dot com on the podcast page. If you'd like to offer any suggestions, ideas, even criticisms, you can write to me at John dot Heinz, that's H-I-N-E-S, at entercom.com. Stay tuned and check back for more author interviews at Heinz Reads. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds.